Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Agatha Christie's Miss Marple, episode titled A Caribbean Mystery, where Miss Marple is drawn into a case of intrigue and black magic when a major who bragged of owning a photo of a murderer dies under mysterious circumstances. This will be a five-part series, so sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. Sunshine, that's what you need, Aunt Jane. You had a bad go of pneumonia last winter, and we don't want anything like that again this year, do we? No, we certainly do not. So, I've arranged a little holiday for you, in the West Indies. Oh, but surely, Raymond, I would never be able to... It's all paid for, all organised. That's really very kind of you, Raymond. Uh, But who will look after the cottage while I'm away? That's all organised, too. I've a friend who's writing a novel and wants a quiet hideaway in the country. You look after the place all right. He's very house-proud, probably because he's queer. Uh, uh, That's to say... There's no need to be embarrassed, Raymond. I know what a queer is. And where exactly is this place? St. Honoré, the Golden Palm Hotel. You'll have your own little bungalow, and there's a good doctor on the island in case of emergency. You can spend day after day sitting under the palm trees in a deck chair reading the latest novels without a care in the world. It'll be perfect. We present June Whitfield as Miss Marple in Agatha Christie's A Caribbean Mystery. you've had no sexual experience at all at 19 but you must it's vital the girl hung her head unhappily her straight greasy hair fell forward over her face i know she muttered i know well really to have sex experience urged on you as though it were an iron tonic mind you i had some fascinating experiences when i was up country in becky I was reading one of the modern novels my nephew Raymond West had given me as a way of taking refuge from Major Palgrave's incessant monologue. But after only a few pages, I decided that the Major, with his glass eye and the general appearance of a stuffed frog, was infinitely preferable to the novelist's idea of real life. Mind you, some of the things they got up to out there weren't fit for a lady's ears. I have led a very sheltered life, I'm afraid, and you've led such a rich and exciting one. Not bad, not bad at all. No complaints. (laughs) Uh, Lovely place, this. Sea, palm trees. It is indeed. I hope you don't mind my going on with my knitting. Your privilege, dear lady. Very suitable occupation. (laughs) Does anything ever happen here, I wonder? Oh, rather. Plenty of scandals. There was even a murder here a couple of years ago. Man called Harry Weston made a big splash in the papers. Don't you remember it? He shot his wife's lover, didn't he? As I recall, everyone seems to have been drunk at the time. Uh, Talking of murder, I once came across a very curious case, not exactly personally. Do go on. 
Uh, the chap who told me the story was a medical man. Young fellow came and knocked him up in the middle of the night, and his wife had hanged herself. She wasn't dead, but pretty far gone. Anyway, she pulled through. Young fellow seemed devoted to her, cried like a child, noticed that she'd been ill for some time, fits of depression, all that. Everything seemed all right. The wife seemed to have made a full recovery. But actually, about a month later, she took an overdose of sleeping stuff and passed out. Sad case. Yes, very sad. Mm. And that's that, you might say. Nothing suspicious there. Neurotic woman, nothing out of the usual. But about a year later, this medical chap was swapping yarns with a fellow medico. And the other chap told him about a woman who tried to drown herself. Her husband got her out, they pulled her around, and then a few weeks later, she gassed herself. A very curious coincidence. Oh, yes, you wait. Uh, the chaps looked at one another and said it was pretty odd, and then my chap pulled out a snapshot and showed it to the second chap. Uh, that's the fellow, he said. I'd gone along the next day to check up on the particulars, and I noticed a magnificent species of hibiscus just by the front door. My camera was in the car, and so I, I took a photo. Just as I snapped the shutter, the husband came out of the door, and I got him as well. I don't think he realized it. Anyway... The second chap took a look at the photo. He said, It's a bit out of focus, but I could swear. At any rate, I'm almost sure it's the same man. And did they follow it up? No idea. But if they did, they didn't get anywhere. Queer story, isn't it? Hmm? Wouldn't think things like that could happen. Oh, yes, I would. Practically every day. If a man gets a formula that works, he won't stop. He'll go on. Bride's in the bath, eh? That kind of thing, yes. Doctor, let me have the uh, snapshot as a curiosity, I mean. Lots of odds and ends in here. Don't know why I keep these things. Uh, uh, no, that's an elephant I shot in Kenya. Oh. What tusks are you? I've forgotten all about that business. Mm, Good-looking woman she was. Uh, you'd never suspect me. Yeah. Uh, now where? Uh, ah! Like to see the picture of a murderer? Oh, honestly. What are you talking about? Well, I'm damned. I mean, I, as I was saying, I'd like to have shown you those elephant tusks. Uh, biggest elephant I ever shot. Uh, but uh, look who's here. The inseparables. Uh, the loyal quartet. What, uh, what luck have you had today? No luck at all. At least no luck in getting what we were after. Uh, birds and butterflies, that's what they're looking for, Miss Marple. Oh, how, how remiss of me. Uh, do you know Miss Marple, uh, Colonel and Mrs. Hillingdon? How do you do? How do you do? So uh, pleased to meet you. Greg and Lucky Dyson. How do you do, Miss Marple? How do you do? Hello. I shall die if somebody doesn't get me a drink. Well, Tim Kendall's just over there. Hi, Tim. Could you get us some drinks? Certainly, Mr. Dyson. What's it to be? Uh, planner's punch. That'll do very well. Just what the doctor ordered. The same for you, Miss Marple. Thank you, but I would prefer fresh lime. Fresh lime it is, and five planter's punches. Care to join us, Tim? I only wish I could. I've got the accounts to do. Can't leave Molly to cope with everything. I'm all over thorns. Edward deliberately shoved me into a thorn bush. <laughs> lovely pink flowers. And lovely long thorns. Sadistic brute, aren't you, Edward? Not like me. Full of the milk of human kindness. Aren't I, Evelyn? If you say so, Greg. Oh, by the way, we've got a steel band on tonight. Oh, I adore steel bands. But do go get us those drinks, Tim, before I expire. (laughs) 
I must admit I could well have done without the steel band. It was a hideous noise and quite unnecessarily loud. Music for young people, I suppose. <laughs> but none of these people were young. They were all in their thirties and forties. For really young people, it was too expensive and too far away. It seemed a pity somehow. Oh, what a lovely dress you're wearing tonight, Mrs. Dyson. Oh. Molly Kendall was quite young, of course. She couldn't have been older than 22 or 3, and she seemed to be enjoying herself. I'm so jealous I could tear it off your back. <laughs> or was she just doing her job, keeping all her customers happy? I simply love that shawl you're wearing, Molly. It's such a pretty color. Oh, they sell them at the shop here. Really? Oh, I must get one. Would you care to take your coffee at our table, Miss Marple? Canon Prescott, how kind of you. You know my sister, of course. Good evening, Miss Prescott. How nice of you to join us, Miss Marple. We've been having a very worthy day, visiting a new girls' school on the other side of the island. How very enterprising of you. I have done nothing except sit under the palm trees with my knitting. What a very pleasant way to pass the time. <laughs> Tell me... Who is the elderly gentleman sitting over there in the corner? Oh, that's Mr. Raphael. He comes here every year. He's quite fantastically rich. He owns an enormous chain of supermarkets in the north of England. Oh. The young woman with him is his secretary, Esther Walters. She's a widow. Uh, nothing improper, of course. Very nice young woman. Her mother, I understand, lives in Chichester. Mr. Raphael has a valet with him, too, or rather a kind of nurse attendant. Jackson, his name is. Dear Mr. Raphael is practically paralyzed, so sad, with all that money, too. Oh, a generous and a cheerful giver. Mr. Raphael didn't look particularly cheerful. He resembled nothing so much as a wrinkled old bird of prey. His clothes hung loosely on his shrunken form. He might have been 70 or 80 or even 90. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> now, those people with Major Polgrave... Yes, I was going to ask you about them. I met them this afternoon, but I've really no idea who they are. They were here last year. They spent three months every year in the West Indies going round the different islands. The tall, thin one is Colonel Hillingdon, and the dark woman is his wife, Evelyn. They're botanists. And the other two, Mr. and Mrs. Gregory Dyson, they are American. He writes on butterflies, I believe. And all of them are interested in birds. So nice for people to have open-air hobbies. I don't think they'd like to hear you call them hobbies, Jeremy. Huh? They have articles printed in the National Geographic and in the Royal Horticultural Journal. They take themselves very seriously. <laughs> they don't seem to be taking themselves very seriously at the moment. Bravo! <laughs> now, yeah, let's have another round. Tim, uh, same again, if you please. Major Paul Grave should not drink so much. He has high blood pressure. It's so nice to get people sorted out. When I met them earlier, I wasn't sure who was married to whom. Well, as to that... Uh, Joan, uh, perhaps it would be wise to say no more. Really, Jeremy, I wasn't going to say anything. Mm -hmm. Only last year, for some reason or other, we got the idea that Mrs. Dyson was Mrs. Hillingdon, until someone told us that she wasn't. It is odd how one gets impressions, isn't it? Mr. Dyson calls his wife Lucky. That can't be her real name, surely. I've no idea what her real name is. I happened to ask him about it. He said he called her Lucky because she was his good luck piece. If he lost her, he said he'd lose his luck. Very nicely put, I thought. Yes, he's very fond of joking.
You tired, darling? Just a bit. I seem to be feeling my feet tonight. Not too much for you, is it? I know it's hard work. Oh, Tim, don't be ridiculous. I love every moment of it here. It's wonderful. The kind of life I've always dreamed of. Mm. You think it's working out all right? We're making a go of it. Of, of course we are. We're a splendid team. You charm the old pussies and manage to look as though you'd like to make love to all the desperate women in their 40s and 50s. <laughs> and I ogle the old gentlemen and make them feel sexy dogs or, or play the sweet little daughter the sentimental ones would like to have had. Oh, we've got it all taped. As long as you think so. I, I get scared sometimes. We've risked everything on making a go of this. I chucked a good, steady job. And you and... were quite right to do so. It was utterly soul-destroying. Why must you always worry? I'm made that way, I suppose. I'm always wondering what might happen if something went wrong. What do you mean? What sort of thing? Oh, I don't know. Somebody might get drowned. Rubbish. It's one of the safest beaches on the islands. Oh, I know. I'm a fool. I should stop worrying. You... You haven't had any more of those awful dreams, have you? That was shellfish. <laughs> Good morning, Miss Marple. I brought you your breakfast. Oh, thank you, Victoria. Shall I draw the curtains? Yes, if you'd be so kind. Oh, another fine sunny day. But I suppose that all the days here are fine and sunny. Mostly, Miss, except when there's hurricanes. Oh, I don't call that weather. That's more in the nature of an act of God. And we often get heavy rainstorms, but they never last for long. One minute everything's winging wet, and the next it's dry again. <laughs> Enjoy your breakfast. <laughs> a boiled egg and a slice of pawpaw. Somehow it always seems to be pawpaw. Oh, what wouldn't I give for a nice apple? Apples seem to be quite unknown here. So, how am I going to spend today? The same as usual, I suppose. Sit on the terrace with my knitting? Or go down to the beach and watch the bathers and the children? It really doesn't matter very much. Today will be a day like any other day here. Oh, good morning, Mrs. Kendall. Good morning, Miss Marple. My dear, you look quite distressed. Oh, do sit down. Thank you. Is there something wrong? I'm afraid there is. Oh, you'll have to know sooner or later. Everyone will. It's Major Palgrave. He's dead. Dead? Yes, he died in the night. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, yes, it's horrid having a death here. It makes everyone depressed. Of course, he was quite old. He seemed quite well and cheerful yesterday. I had a long talk with him. Perfectly healthy, I thought he was. He did have high blood pressure. But surely there are things one takes nowadays, some kind of pill. Oh, yes, but perhaps he forgot to take his pills or, or took too many of them. Hmm. What does the doctor say? Fortunately, Dr. Graham lives here in the hotel. He's practically retired now. He took a look at him and the local people came officially, of course, to give a death certificate. It all seems quite straightforward. This kind of thing is quite liable to happen when you have high blood pressure, especially if you overdo the alcohol. And Major Polgrave was really very naughty that way. Last night, for instance. Yes, I noticed. He was very merry. So he probably forgot to take his pills. It is bad luck for the old boy, but people can't live forever, can they? But it's terribly worrying. For me and Tim, I mean... 
People might suggest it was something in the food. But surely the symptoms of food poisoning and of blood pressure are quite different. Yes, but people do say things so easily. And if the guests decided the food was to blame and left or told their friends... Oh, I really don't think you need worry, my dear. As you say, an elderly man like Major Palgrave, well, he must have been over 70, is quite liable to die without warning. To most people it will seem quite an ordinary occurrence. Sad, but not out of the way at all. I'm sure you're right. If only it hadn't been so sudden... I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It's too pat, too convenient. One day he's sitting there telling me about a murder, about more than one murder, and the next... He was hunting in his wallet for a photograph. Like to see the picture of a murderer? But he never did show it to me. He looked up and saw something, someone, behind me. Behind my right shoulder, and he suddenly stopped. He went quite purple in the face, and he put the picture back into his wallet and started stuffing it back into his pocket. And then the Hillingdons and the Dysons joined us. What made him put the photograph away and start talking about some elephant he'd shot? Who was it that he saw? Could it possibly have been the person in the snapshot? Somehow or other, I must get a look at that photograph. Victoria? Victoria? Yes, Miss Marple? Is there something I can get you? I'm not feeling very well, I'm afraid. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Miss Marple. Can I help you in some way? What can I get you? Would you ask Dr. Graham if he'd be good enough to come and see me? I'm going back to my bungalow. There's nothing radically wrong with your knee, Miss Marple, as far as I can see. But if it's giving you pain, there are some pills which ought to relieve it. I'll give you a prescription. Oh, that's very kind of you, Doctor. Not at all. It's my job, after all. And you're sure that that's all that's troubling you? There is something I should like to ask you, Dr. Graham. I, I really don't like mentioning it, but I don't quite see what else I'm to do. Although, of course, it is quite unimportant, really. But you see, it is important to me. Something is worrying you. What is it? It's connected with Major Palgrave. So sad about his dying. It was quite a shock when I heard about it this morning. Yes, it was very sudden, I'm afraid. He seemed in such good spirits yesterday. We were sitting outside my bungalow talking together. He was telling me about his varied and interesting life. Yes, he often talked to me about it. And then he spoke of his family and his boyhood, and I told him a little about my own nephews and nieces, and he listened very sympathetically. And I showed him a snapshot I had with me of one of my nephews, such a dear boy. Well, at least not exactly a boy now, but always a boy to me, if you understand. Quite so. I handed it to him, and he was examining it, when quite suddenly those people... Oh, those very nice people who collect flowers and butterflies... The Hillingdons and the Dyson. Yes, that's right. They came along laughing and talking. They sat down and ordered drinks and we all talked together and, without thinking, Major Palgrave must have put my snapshot into his wallet and returned it to his pocket. I wasn't paying much attention at the time, but I remembered afterwards and I said to myself, I mustn't forget to ask the Major to give me back my picture of Denzil in the morning. Uh, only... This morning? Quite so. I do understand. And you naturally want the snapshot back, is that it? Yes. 
That's it. You see, it's the only one I possess, and I haven't got the negative, and I would so hate to lose that snapshot, because poor Denzel died some five or six years ago, and he was my favourite nephew. I wondered, it is rather tiresome of me, I know, whether you could possibly manage to get hold of it for me. I don't really know who else to ask, you see. Of course, of course, I quite understand. Actually, I'm meeting the local authorities shortly, and someone will be coming to look over his papers and effects before communicating with his next of kin. Uh, if you could uh, describe the snapshot. It's just the front of a house, and someone... Denzel, I mean, coming out of the front door. Uh -huh. It was taken by one of my other nephews, who's rather fond of flower shows, and he was photographing a rather fine hibiscus, and Denzel just happened to come out of the house at the time. It wasn't a very good photograph of him, I'm afraid. It's rather blurred, in fact, but I liked it, and I've always kept it. Well, that seems clear enough. I don't envisage that we'll have any difficulty in getting your picture back for you, Miss Marple. He was such a nice man, and I felt rather ashamed of having to tell him so many lies, but what else was I to do? The funeral of Major Paul Grave took place the following day. I went with Miss Prescott, and her brother the canon read the service. After that, life went on as usual. The Major's death was a slightly unpleasant incident, but one that was soon forgotten. Life here was sunshine, sea and social pleasures. In another week's time, nobody would even remember him or spare him a passing thought. Rather to my surprise, I found that I quite missed him. Good afternoon, Miss Marple. Oh, good afternoon, Dr Graham. I have rather disappointing news for you, I'm afraid. Oh, you mean about uh, my... Yes. We haven't found that precious snapshot of yours. I fear it will be a great disappointment to you. Yes. Yes, it is, but of course it doesn't really matter. It was just sentimentality, I realise that now. It wasn't in Major Palgrave's wallet, then? No, nor anywhere among his things. There were a few letters and newspaper clippings in various odds and ends, but no sign of a snapshot, such as you've mentioned. Oh, dear. Oh, well, it can't be helped. Thank you very much for the trouble you've taken. Oh, it was no trouble. I know very well from my own experience how much family trifles mean to one, especially as one is getting older. Quite. It seems so sad to think of the Major dying so far away from home, though I gather he had no immediate family. It seems he lived by himself in London. He travelled a fair amount, I believe. At any rate, in the winter, he didn't care for our English winters. Can't say I blame him. He had high blood pressure, I believe. I didn't know that. He spoke to you about it, didn't he? Oh, no. He never mentioned it. It was somebody else who told me. I suppose death was to be expected under those circumstances. Well, not necessarily. There are methods of controlling blood pressure nowadays. His death did seem very sudden. You were not surprised? Well, I wasn't particularly surprised in a man of that age, but I certainly didn't expect it. Frankly, he always seemed to me to be in very good form, but I'd never attended him professionally. Does one know, I mean, does a doctor know, when a man has high blood pressure simply by looking at him? Not just by looking. One has to do a bit of testing. Oh, you mean that dreadful thing when they put a band of rubber round your arm and blow it up? <laughs> oh, I just <laughs> like it so much. My doctor said that my blood pressure was really very good for my age. That's reassuring. Of course, the Major was rather fond of planter's punch. Yes, alcohol's not the best thing if you have blood pressure. 
One takes tablets, doesn't one? Yes, there was a bottle of them in Palgrave's room. Seronite, I think they were. How wonderful medicine is nowadays. How's the knee? Not been too troublesome? No, no, it seems much better. Sorry I couldn't be more helped you over that snapshot business. You could not have been kinder. Did you say there were no photographs in the Major's wallet? Oh, yes. Uh, there was one of an elephant and another of a dead tiger. He was standing with his foot on it. Snaps of that sort. But the one you described of your uh, nephew was definitely not there. I looked very carefully, I assure you. Oh, I'm sure you did, and I didn't mean that. I was just interested. We all keep such very odd things. Treasures from the past. But I must be on my way, Miss Marple. Goodbye, Doctor, and thank you. Good day, Miss Marple. Major Palgrave would never have thrown that photograph away. He replaced it in his wallet, and it should have been there after his death. So whoever took it must have had a very particular reason for doing so. Was it just a coincidence that the Major should have died on that same night? And did he really suffer from blood pressure? If someone stole that snapshot, the same person could have put the bottle of tablets in his room. Or am I just making the whole thing up? Do I really have anything to go on? Like to see the picture of a murderer? I can't just leave things as they are. Who could the Major have seen that made him put the snapshot away so hurriedly? Was it the Dysons or the Hillingdons? Or could he have seen that valet of Mr. Raphael's coming out of the door of his bungalow? That would have been in his line of sight over my shoulder. I will just have to look into it all very carefully. What do you want, Vicky? It's the middle of the night. Wake up, Jim! I want to talk to you. What's so important that it won't wake till tomorrow? What's worrying you? Hmm? That Major Palgrave who died. There's something wrong about it. What do you want to worry about that for? Hmm? He was old. He died. It's the pills. The pills the doctor asked me about. What about them? He took too many, maybe. No, it's not that. Listen, I've never seen them in his room before. So what? There's nothing in that. Just forget about it, Vicky. There's no good looking for trouble. Just leave it alone. Leave it alone and go back to sleep. I can't do that. I can't do that. I speak to Mrs. Kendall in the morning. There's something wrong about the way he died. In part one of Agatha Christie's A Caribbean Mystery, Miss Marple was played by June Whitfield. Major Palgrave, Windsor Davis. Dr. Graham, John Rowe. Canon Prescott, David King. Miss Prescott, Jenny Lee. Evelyn Hillingdon, Carolyn Jones. Edward Hillingdon, Christopher Wright. Lucky Dyson, Tracy Ann Oberman. Greg Dyson, Brian Parr. Molly Kendall, Alison Pettit. Tim Kendall, David Thorpe. Victoria, Amanda Gordon. 
Jim Ellis, Anthony Ofebu, Raymond West, Ewan Thomas. A Caribbean Mystery is dramatized for radio by Michael Bakewell and directed by Enid Williams. Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening. <laughs>